What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week, we've got a fight on our hands. In the blue corner, we have the most underrated control measure versus the most overused control measure. We have PPE versus competency. Why you should stop buying PPE so much and invest in your staff. Let's go. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are in a pressured regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in London. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Let's introduce the fighters then. Competency coming in as the combination of training skills, experience and knowledge. That person has the ability, or this fighter has the ability to perform the task safely. Other factors such as attitude, physical ability can also affect someone's competence and make them an awesome fighter. Dame Judith Hackett says this about this fighter. As a control measure, competence is the ability for every director, manager, worker to recognise the risks in operational activities and then apply the right measures to control and manage those risks. And in the red corner, we have PPE, personal protective equi- equipment. This control measure needs no introduction. It is the most popular fighter around. People all over the place covered in PPE. It is about as popular as people on social media setting up social media consultancy businesses. You know this control measure. It's everywhere. It's in all your workplaces. It's on your TVs. It's famous killer movies knocking business out left, right and centre. Even the mention of PPE sends shivers down the spine of a good health and safety professional. With its killer move, the blanket approach, it can destroy a business's health and safety culture. Right, that's enough of that. Even though I will admit that is probably the most fun I have ever had recording my voice ever. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I'm still giggling at it, if I'm honest. Um, I, I think we're going to have to keep that as going as a theme. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. The editing of that was, was just the best thing ever. I, I loved it. Uh, yes, I'm very modest. Anyway, let's get into this then. So, what are we talking about today? We're talking about those two control measures. And, and why am I talking about it? Well, the other week... Uh, I received my IOSH magazine, 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 and um, I can't think straight now, I can still smile thinking about that intro, anyway, come on, let's go, right, so, it is PPE special month on IOSH, so anyway, I was reading this article, and it was all this, this whole, like, three or four page article on high visibility jackets, and I was like, Okay, this will be interesting. I'll have a read. I'll have a read. 
Um, well, I always have a read because it's next to the toilet, so I don't, I don't take my phone in, so, you know, not much else to read, is there? Anyway, too much information. Whoa, we crossed the line there. So, come on, concentrate. So anyway, I was going through this whole thing, blah, 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 talking about high vis, blah, 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 and there a couple of things that really, really got to me. And, and one was, was, this, this, this guy, right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name and shame, because, you know, not my place to, and that's not what we're here for. Um, but it's just, it just, just knocked me for six, literally. Um, you know, this, this whole article was about, was about high vis and I thought it was going to give you know a bit of the like pros and cons but it didn't really um it went so far to say that you know if you're if you're not wearing a high vis in a warehouse where everybody's supposed to wear a high vis you become invisible and I was just like do you though do, do you really I mean if you take off the high vis do you become invisible because last time I watched Harry Potter's invisibility cloak cloak you could not buy on arco.com correct me if i'm wrong and please let me know because if you can i'm fucking buying it but as far as i'm aware you cannot buy harry's invisibility cloak and if you can it doesn't look like a bloody high vis because it's highly visible anyway so this geezer said that, and I was just like, oh my god. Because actually, I've said for a long time, a very, very long time, that actually, if everybody's wearing a high-vis, then surely the person that doesn't wear a high-vis stands out more because they're the only one not wearing a high-vis. And in my experience, when I've tested that, and you don't wear a high-vis, you're like, within seconds, somebody's shouting at you. And we all know that PPE is absolutely overused everywhere. And it's always used for blanket approach, and and I've mentioned blanket approach before on um, on the, the noise podcast with um, Stephen. Stephen was it Stephen? Please don't tell me I've just got his name wrong. I have to record this all over again. Um, I'm gonna go with Steve. Yes, it was Steve. <sighs> no offense, Steve. Sorry. So anyway, before I like lose all of my um, guests, um, and everyone just pissed off at me. What am I saying? I'm saying about blanket approach. Blanket approach, yeah? So it's everywhere. So, and the fundamentals of a blanket approach is it's easier to manage um, because everybody should just wear them. So con- construction sites are notorious for it. Hard hat everywhere. Because there are a lot of areas, probably, on a construction site where you need a hard hat. And I fully get that. I, I, just, I do understand that. However, there are areas where you don't need to wear it. Yet the guys are still forced to wear it. And I think what that does is it... It ingrains in them this kind of attitude of health and safety gone mad, and it and it just niggles at them over the years, and then it just becomes this kind of thing where health and safety gone mad, and it's this kind of heuristic, this anchor in their brain, and then it just when safety needs to be paramount because what they're doing is high risk. That attitude and that heuristic and that anchor comes into play and they don't follow the risk and boom, that's where your fatality happens. And obviously, you know, a fatality or a serious accident or any accident is never ever just one fault, in my opinion. It's always a collection of systematic and, you know, human error type failings in a way, you know, all down to culture, physical systems, you know, admin systems, everything. Um, 
and they all fail in specific points and, and that's your kind of Swiss cheese um, method you know if you imagine you've got loads and loads of layers of Swiss cheese and each each layer is a is a layer of safety so that's another um, saying in the safety world layers of safety Dame Judith Hackett spoke, speaks about that quite a bit as well um, and you know, I mention her quite a lot, but FYI, she's not paying me for this podcast. Um, just her and I read a lot of her and um, Andrew Shaman stuff. You know, they're not paying me for anything. I just kind of agree with their styles. Yeah. What'd you say, Judith? Yeah, one one tea, two sugars. Yeah, thanks. I'm joking. That was a, that was just a really bad joke. Um, anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> so yeah, she says. What did she say? What am I on about? Layers of safety, that's it, that's what I'm saying. Right, Lay- we're back on track. I've, I've got a feeling this is going to be a messy podcast. Um, maybe I shouldn't start the way I, I did earlier. So, anyway, layers of safety. So, we're back to the Swiss cheese. So, Swiss cheese, each layer of Swiss cheese is a control measure, right? But obviously, Swiss, tree- Swiss cheese famous for having holes in it. So, there's holes in every control measure, and that's essentially what the Swiss cheese model is saying to you. So, when you you have multiple layers of Swiss cheese, you create multiple layers um, of control, and you reduce the holes lining up, yeah? So, there's always going to be a chance that the holes would just line up, and boom, that's your fatality, or that's your serious, excuse me, that's your serious incident. So... That's kind of a long ass way of saying that I don't think PPE is the primary cause of the problems in health and safety and serious incidents, but I do think we use it wrong. One of my um, other experiences with PPE is kind of cut proof gloves. I worked in a, in a, in a manufacturing um, industry for quite a while and they we had this big kind of scheme to reduce cuts because it was our biggest incident. Um, so we rolled them out across all the machine areas for all operators to wear them um, when they were cutting. So we attempted to not do a blanket approach. The problem is they cut quite a lot. Um, and actually it wasn't a blanket approach that kind of did us, that failed us here. It was actually the type of glove. You know, they didn't work on the touch screens. They didn't work on the fine operations of the machines, you know, moving the dials and things like this. You know, I'm not a machine operator. I don't really know. But there are some bits where you really need your kind of dexterity. Um, and they needed the touch screens to work. So, as we were going round and round and round, and they started seeing people not wearing the gloves, and it got to a point where people were even cutting the tips off of the gloves, so you get, like, fingerless gloves, which is completely... Um, you know, ironic in a way that is completely pointless because you've, you've cut the bits that are getting cut off. Anyway, to the point where even one of the safety reps um, had done it, which was just just hilarious. Um, so then we, I did kind of like a near-miss investigation, essentially, and, and we got down to the point where they were just saying it was annoying. They can't use them because they have to take them off all the time, put them back on, take them off, put them back on, and it doesn't work. So then we went back to the manufacturers and we just said, hey, you know, have you got ones that that can be used on touchscreens? And they said no. Uh, I was like, oh, that's surprising. I thought they would. And and actually, we really struggled for a while. And then eventually, we found a we found a supplier that, that did have ones that work with touchscreen. It didn't solve the dexterity problem. It did to a slight point, but some operators still said that they that they um, they still took them off. But it was less times that they took them off because we dealt with it. And actually, we got real positive um, feedback after that. But that took a long time, and it actually took us. Um, 
actually took a spotting nearly you know a, a bit of a problem and actually took a bit of a hit to the kind of the culture um that we were already struggling to improve anyway um whereas what i'm saying is if we'd have kind of done that research before and actually involved our workers then we might have answered that question before we brought the gloves and wasted all the money so that was very interesting so on the flip side of that, you, know, you also see many people not wearing PPE. So I can't we've just touched on it. So, you know, you've got to look at those reasons why. You know, I see quite a lot of people, you know, using abrasive wheels without eye protection. And, and, and in my opinion, that stems from that kind of poor attitude towards PPE because you're trying to force them to wear it all the time. You know, my, my friend who I reference quite a lot on my podcast because well in essence he is my best mate and probably my only best mate my only mate actually not best mate i don't have multiple best mates that's awkward um you know he's probably listening to this getting really upset now multiple best mates what the anyway i don't have many friends is what i was saying hence why i do a podcast and talk to you because you're all my friends right that was just another really bad joke i need to maybe google some good jokes um yeah anyway so back to the point so you get a lot of people not wearing ppe and and i think most of this kind of comes back to culture um but i do think pp is one of the biggest problems with culture you know we use it way too much way too much you know if you've got people in your business wearing hard hats and there's nothing above their head they're working on the roof or they're working on the side of the road and there's nothing above them their head then take the hard hats off there's no need and actually you're just damaging your culture so that maybe let's talk about competency a little bit so what's competency in my opinion in my opinion it is the most underrated control measure out there it's the most underused control measure out there and i think that's where common sense has gone i genuinely have a non non-fact-based opinion uh, meaning I've done zero research on this and I'm just making it up off the top of my head but I genuinely have made this up (laughs) to the point where I believe it Um, and that theory is that common sense is gone because we have reduced the level of competency that we employ I genuinely believe that back in the day we would employ people and train them quite well in the factory or they would have a trade you know most people back in the day you know you've got to leave college leave school have a trade blah 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 and you become inherently competent in those things and whilst incidents have massively dropped over that period you know since health and safety at work act we 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 put it in the other podcast how much they've dropped and they're starting a plateau now why are they starting a plateau well i do think it's because we don't talk about competence we don't invest in competence and i think that if we invest in competence competence gives you common sense and com- common sense gives you confidence and i find a lot of business owners and business leaders complain that their workforce doesn't have confidence to make decisions and i think confidence to make decisions comes from competence and that is my honest non-fact-based opinion i think it enables people to make those risk-based decisions you know to be inherently safe in the job they do and what it does is enable it it makes you feel trusted if you you get rid of all your signage and stuff like that and all your ppe and trust your staff because you have made them competent they also feel invested in there 
you know, they also feel like, like, I spoke about, I have spoke about, I will speak about it, podcast not out yet, I will mention it briefly in uh, the awesome podcast that's coming up next week with David McLean, where we talk about uh, mental health and mental well-being and emotional performance. Um, it's a phenomenal podcast, and, and hopefully you'll listen to it. It's, um, it's episode two in our Expert Explained series. Anyway, so... I've completely lost the point again. What was I saying? Investment. That's what I was talking about. So I was going to say that sometimes sending your 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 staff away on a course does more than just train them on the course. Now don't get me wrong. There's a lot of crappy courses out there that's just a straight up waste of money. Believe me, I've been on many of them, right? But there is something about that kind of that kind of investment that you feel when you've gone to a, a training session that's in a nice place, it's in a nice hotel or something. I'll tell you what, when I, when I did my knee boss general, right, we sent to a, a place in Westminster, Cambridge area it was, um, and then they were quite popular, very, very popular. And I did my knee boss general there, and um, and it was it was paid for, funded by my employer at the time. And I'm very still very grateful for that. Um, and when I went there, and we got told we leave for lunch at half 11, 12 o'clock, whatever. The time is not the point of the story, James. Um, and I was like, right, we're leaving for lunch, whatever. I mean, anyway, there was like three local pubs, and they basically just do the rounds around these local pubs. And it turns out these pubs were really nice. And... I just felt invested in. I felt like the business cared for me. Um, and then actually, when I finished my knee bosh, I absolutely slogged it for the business. And I'm, I might have at that point have unconsciously um, not liked health and safety, but I felt invested in. And then I ended up going and working hard at it and ended up loving it as a career anyway. Yeah, I know. You're all sitting there like, he loves health and safety as a career. It is pretty good, honestly. Anyway. And I felt invested in it, it made a difference, and I think that I gave back to that business for many years. Um, and it was all stemmed, and there was a couple of other stuff that, you know, I was paid reasonably well, and I, and I had a career for the first time, um, that I could see a future, and that helped. But I genuinely think that going on that course and feeling invested made a massive, massive difference. When I was working at that same place, um, I used to walk around the corner quite a bit to, um, to a local subway, um, to get myself, uh, of, oh by the way, other, um, other fast food outlets, establishments are available. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that um, and say it properly, you know, not, not like a joke, which I think is what I've just done. So I didn't say it properly. Anyway, I was walking around the corner for lunch and um, there was these guys on top of the roof of a factory. And they were right up on the top, and um, I was looking up, and I was across the road, and I was looking over. I was being a bit nosy, which kind of runs in the family. Um, I was looking at these guys, and they were absolutely donned in PPE, hard hat, and that was the initial thought, was, why the f*** are you wearing a hard hat? So I was looking over, they're wearing a hard hat, and anyway, they're wearing a harness, high vis, a lot. And I couldn't see anything coming off the back of this harness, and I thought, maybe they're just getting down or whatever, but really, they should be, what's the point of wearing a harness, harness if it's not tied to anything? Uh, I just thought, okay, whatever. So when I got my servant, I was coming back, and two of the lads were on the floor, and one of the lads, I think if I remember the numbers correctly, was on the roof still. And um, I, I completely, I don't know what came over me, because this is like not me whatsoever, but I said to one of the guys, I said, excuse me, lads, 
you're, you're harnessed today, just that curiosity, because you're going to do a bit of work on, on my factory roof around the corner. Your harnesses, do they tie you down to anything? You what, mate? Do, are they tied down to anything? What do you mean they're tied down to anything? Like, you know, like you got the loops on the back, you know, the, the metal loop things on the back, yeah? Do you, do you clip them on? You have like a carabiner and then like a like a piece of rope or something. Um, you know, call it a, like a lanyard or something. A lanyard? No, mate. Do what, what are you on about? Hey, Dave. Dave. Are we meant to be tying these down to something? Is this lad here reckons we're meant to be tying these down to something? Are we meant to be tying them down to something? No, mate. I've, hang on, mate. I've got the uh, I've got the rams over here. One second. No, mate. It just says wear harness. Alright. Anyway, can we help you, mate? No, no, just wondering, you know, have you got like a business card or anything? Because you're going to do some work around the corner. Um, I said that mainly because I didn't want to get punched in the face because um, I was being a pretentious dick. Um, no, mate, don't, don't do business cards. The website's on the van. Ah, oh, cool. Cheers, lads. Have a good day. Catch you later. And I ran off very, very quickly. Now, what's the problem here? Is the problem competency? Is the problem... The use of the harness is the problem. The rams, it's a problem. The culture, it's probably all of the above. I think. I think if they were competent, they had working at height training. Maybe they did and they didn't listen, and then we've got a culture problem. Then they would have looked at that harness and gone, "No one wearing a harness from not tied down to anything." You know, it's not an inflatable Batman cape that's going to fly you down to the ground. Um, you don't also automatically put it on and just become Superman. Um, Unless they've got like a wand in there and like Wingardium Leviosa, you know, it is it is obviously a competency problem there, or there's a and or there's a culture problem. Maybe they they didn't feel comfortable asking the the question to say, was it, aren't we supposed to have something on the back of this boss to tie us down or stop us being able to get to the edge of the thing? Yeah, you know, maybe there was pressure. Pressure. Does does the ram say it, or was he embarrassed? I didn't see the ram, so he just he just held up this piece of paper and read it out. It could have been a shopping list, for all I know. Um, you know, so there's so many questions there, but I do genuinely think that sometimes a lot of businesses think they can just divvy out PPE and that's it, boom. But it just goes to show that if you do not have the competence to actually use said PPE, then there's no point doing it or issuing it so why is competency so underused well i think it's because it's really hard to to get a grasp of and to deliver and me measure um it's kind of similar to culture i think it and I think, I think that's probably why businesses struggle with it so so much. Whereas PPE, you know, you can physically see it. It ticks all the boxes in their opinion. You know, it's short term. Um, you've got a short term return on investment. It's tangible. It's visible. Um, you can control it. You can, um, you know, you can. You can enforce it, etc. But with competency, you know, it's a lot of money up front. It's a long-term return on investment. Um, you know, it's probably not going to happen straight away, um, and and it's difficult. It's difficult to do. But I mean, let's let's go back to and we've spoke. I spoke about this a couple of times. But let's go back to like the hierarchy of control, right? So we've got elimination, substitution, and engineering controls, right? So you can't eliminate it. You can't substitute it, right? And you put some engineering controls in. 
But then competency probably comes into administrative controls if we were going to put it in there. You're changing the way that people work. Um, and I think sometimes people think we'll go get an ISO management system and that's your, yes, that's your admin controls. And then we'll whip out some PPE. Boom, nailed it down. Um, you know, admin controls is that kind of culture thing as well. So admin becomes, is above PPE. PPE is the last resort. And people say that and they go around preaching that, but I don't think they fully understand that. And you've also got to think about methods of delivery with competency. And we've spoke about this as well, you know, in um, like while you're training this crap podcast, I think it was called. Um, and you've got to think about how you deliver it. I had a quite an interesting conversation a while back around, you know, checking fire doors. Um, and, and it was delivered via digital learning. You know, and, and the question was, why is that not um sufficient and that's well let's put this into context you're asking somebody to check a fire door um with some digital training which most people don't listen to um which i completely understand because i don't think i've ever listened to um uh i don't think i've ever listened to any learning well put it this way is um i'm a technical member of the institute of fire engineers and i failed my fiery learning at my current business like three times um, don't worry, they know about it. Yeah, I got sacked. No, I didn't really. <laughs> anyway, moving on. That was awkward. Um, you know, so just got to show that for some people, e-learning is not right. But you know, I've heard, I've actually had one person um, say to me that they love e-learning. They're just one, and that's that's it. That is the truth. Genuinely, one person has said to me they love it. Everyone else just says it's a load of crap. So go back to the story. So we're giving this person e-learning and then we're asking them to go check a fire door and in their opinion and they're quite rightly a fire door is is a life system it's part of the whole kind of passive protection fire protection package of a building and in my opinion that collectively that is a life safety system um, depending on the building and depending on the use of the building but primarily that is a life safety system they're normally protecting means of escape which is people um, so we're asking them to do this and then what they do is they go home and they see the dispatches for Grenfell or they see the news story for Grenfell or they see another Facebook story about Grenfell and they just see all this stuff and they're like, oh my god, this is scary, this is real. 70, so what is it, 72 people now died, I think. You know, 72 people have died. And they're asking me to check it on the e-learning. You know, put yourself in that person's shoes. And really have a think, is that e-learning good enough? Sometimes, most of the time, I don't think it is. So, whilst I'm sitting here preaching about competency, competency it's only good enough if it's delivered correctly and that's exactly the same with PPE it is only good enough if it is delivered correctly um, and it's only good enough if you've got the competency back it up you know just coming back to my two favorite people Judith Hackett and Andrew Sharman in their book mind your own business um, you know I mentioned earlier about the people not being able to be seen if um, if they're wear if everyone's wearing high vis you know and actually it's a person that doesn't wear it that stands out the most. Well, Andrew Sharman and Judith Hackett, as I've just said in their book Mind Your Own Business, they say pretty much that you know. But yet still, you know, in the month's Irish magazine, you know, a whole article to high vis of people, and it wasn't mentioned once about the overuse or the persistent blanket approach. And I just see that people are blind to this. Like, how can you not see it? It's everywhere. Like, there's so many people just walking around town covered in high-vis. And it's like, what the fuck does that actually do? Like, really, what does it do? 
Yeah, if you've got if you've got that many problems, you need with like forklifts, so you're making everyone wear high vis. You need to start looking at the forklifts, or start looking at the drivers, or start looking at the locations. I was listening to um, the safety podcast. Um, uh, check him out. It's it's actually really good. It's spelt S A F E T I, if I remember rightly. But safety podcast, and it had a guest on there talking about um, the hop principle. It's a human optimized performance i think i might have got that wrong and they were saying you know doing all this work about actually the the locations of of say like racking for example where they were getting all the incidents and they were looking at changing the fort lifts and all these kind of physical tangible things that they could action straight away but actually just not focusing on the person not even focusing on competency you know they were saying that you know you have an incident and you take them off the forklift for a couple of days you retrain them and they go back on and then six months later they do it again and you think it's a person that's a problem and actually they were finding out that it was the location or the forklift or the product or something else that was a problem so like go back to basics and really look at this stuff so competency on its own is not the answer then is it so it's jointly with all this stuff that they all work together. You create those Swiss cheese layers of safety. You know, if you're going to deliver kind of like competency uh, packages to a business, so let's say you're going to do like a competency framework for your business. You know, what would that look like? I think it's different for different um, different kind of positions and different kind of roles but i mean if you're doing like a shop floor kind of technical maybe not technical but if you're doing like a shop floor deliver tell us like a, a factory let's go with a factory for example right so we've got a factory and on the shop floor from team leaders down we are going to and i don't like saying down makes it sounds like horrible doesn't it like oh you're just an operator you know and it just it's not it's not the way to think but like you know hierarchically if we were going to look at it we've got the shop floor from the team leaders down to the operators right you might then break that down into three levels awareness understanding and technical right and you might include actually like some just base level kind of customer services and certainly maybe you have to group all these people together and just say right customer services for factory safety you'll just have an awareness of it because all you do actually is just walk through to get to the office or you might go down there every now and again well that's it that's all you need and team leaders are probably there because they're machine operators so they might have a understanding of say fire risk assessment because they need that little bit more understanding of a more technical thing so they're a machine operator they've got a technical understanding which is the next level of the machines and now we're going to give them a little bit of an understanding of the, the kind of other kind of safety professional kind of things you know fire safety things like that or risk assessment they might have an understanding of that whereas a safety professional would have a technical understanding of that stuff but i would only have an understanding of machines i completely hope this is making sense it makes sense in my brain uh, but maybe it doesn't make sense on a podcast so essentially you're breaking competency down in delivery methods into like three levels awareness understanding and technical level one level two level three um and that's how more in depth you get so how would you deliver that well awareness you might deliver that by e-learning or coaching or guidance or sops risk assessments videos i think you need all of them if i'm honest you know it's the same as everything one is not good enough it's all of them together then the second you might have on the job shadowing training face-to-face workshops you know internal and or external and then technical level of understanding you've got skills based training sometimes that might even be like accredited training you've got to really send these people away to go on some maybe longer course you know like a few weeks all the way up to like an apprenticeship kind of thing that's technical kind of training 
Now, for kind of management and leadership roles, they're going to be different. Um, but, but you know, it's still that kind of base level, those three kind of levels. You know, don't forget the kind of methods of... Um, don't forget the kind of methods of learning as well, you know, like kinetic, audible, um, visual, you know, everyone learns in different ways. Don't forget as well what I say all the time, um, a, a Professor Scott Geller, he is also not paying me, but this is just, I just, I literally say this like every day, but what is the difference between tra training and education? Would you prefer your kids to have sex education or sex training? You know, you know which one it is, doesn't it? And that you've got to really, really think about that. So we spoke about kind of PPE in the noise at work one and that kind of methodology of really looking at how the PPE works. And I kind of touched on it in my stories earlier. So how do we buy and, and use PPE? Well, in my my fundamental kind of humble opinion, it would be employee involvement. Involve the people that are going to wear the stuff. Okay, because if you don't involve them, it is not going to work. Obviously, that depends on the culture that you've got in, whether that's going to be a good process or a hard process or a slow process or a long process. But employee involvement is the beginning of it. And remember what I said about culture where it's infectious. So competency, we've got all those three levels. We've got all those kind of things as well. So let, let, who wins the fight? that's essentially what we're trying to say here who wins this fight i think it's a draw i think it's a draw because both work really well but they only work if they're done right because competency can really fail if you just deliver it crap and spend a lot of money and that's a massive financial risk for a business you're spending a shed load of money on competency and it's the wrong thing or the wrong person or a wrong method or it's just crap um and the same with PPE. You can spend so much money on it and completely destroy your culture. You know, so whilst I'm a big advocate for focusing much more on competency and having faith in our staff and not faith in the systems, um, I'm also a massive, massive advocate for correctly used PPE. It has its place. It really does. And sometimes it's that kind of cherry on top of the cake and the cake being all the other all the other control measures that you've got and the cherry is that kind of last line of defense that just nails that kind of system down to make it from 80% safe to 99% safe um, so you know which one wins it's a draw they're both the same and I just reiterate you know do not forget you know there's the difference between training and education do not forget employee involvement they are the big things for me competency breeds common sense which breeds confidence Thanks for listening, guys. Peace out. Safe.